It's not just another Saturday Night in Comedy, because tonight we're sitting down with a writer, actor, and daytime TV alum bringing the life of controversial stand-up legend Lenny Bruce to the stage. So what exactly does it take to get inside the mind of one of comedy's biggest and most controversial icons? I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to Inside Jokes of Baby, right here on 640 Toronto, which you know, because that's how you're putting us in your ear holes right now. And of course, as always, streaming everywhere across the entire known universe, MCU. Marvel Cinematic Universe on Global News Online. And no, we are not affiliated with the MCU, but hey, we are newly singled and looking to mingle. Maybe we can get them for a sponsor. I got our producer, Vince Tedesco, on the air with me right now. How are you doing this week, buddy? We are always looking to mingle. Doing great. Doing great. Always looking to mingle. You know what? We're out there. We're living it up. We're shooting our shot, as they say. We're shooting. Well, yeah. It's like radio sponsor Tinder. You know, we got it. We got the seven year itch. We had seven seasons of a beautiful relationship. With our friends, now we're looking at now we're now we're out there. We're looking to shake it up and uh, blow off some steam and sow some oats. You know, what was that? What was that website that was popular back in the day? Was Ashley Madison? Yeah, have affairs. Yeah, we're not gonna we're not doing that. But you know, uh, we're gonna stop Ashley. We're gonna be promiscuous sponsor wise. We're listen. Ooh, we're out there. We're I single like and looking to mingle. Anyways, we do have a radio show uh, as always. Uh, but Vince, very interesting guest on the panel tonight. So we have uh, an actor who actually some of our listeners might have recognized if they're a fan of daytime soaps because he had a long running stint on General Hospital. Uh, but also a TV actor, writer, producer uh, who is bringing. A very interesting live stage show to Toronto. He is bringing the life of the iconic and one of certainly one of comedy's more controversial figures, Lenny Bruce, to the stage. Uh, so Ronnie Marmo, the actor, director, actor, writer is joining us, which is interesting. He teamed up with a very well-known actor, Joe Montagna, who's actually directing this production. So we're going to find out just how this whole thing came together, why Lenny Bruce, how long this was sort of a passion project, and how did Montagna get attached to it? Because it is yeah. interesting, Vince. Lenny Bruce, for somebody who is, you know, he's sort of one of the founding fathers of modern stand-up as we know it. Everybody always talks about the big three. You know, there's Bruce, Carlin, and Pryor, and those are the people who sort of broke these boundaries of what you can and can't get away with saying. And Lenny Bruce, very famously, he went on trial for his stand-up. He was part of obscenity trials, and he really had to fight hard for, no, stand-up should push boundaries, and it should be an open discussion about things that you don't really get to talk to, talk about in polite society. So anyways, interesting thing, Vince, is... As big of a figure as Lenny Bruce is in the comedy world, there's never really been that much dissected about his personal life. We don't really know a lot about him aside from the myth itself. We don't really know a lot about Lenny Bruce, who he was in the green room, who he was behind the scenes, who he was off stage. And the comedy world has never really tackled that. So it'll be interesting to see how this all came together, how daunting of a task that is, and what's the response from the comedy world, because it's sort of a sacred figure, really. Yeah, like of all, just imagine of all the biopics that have been done and all the the figureheads and the, who have speared this kind of industry. Lenny Bruce, I mean, he passed away in the '60s, so I always thought he was kind of prior to the Priors and the Carlins. But he I mean, was, yeah. I know the name. I know I, I couldn't say I, I could recite you any Lenny Bruce material, but definitely 
one of the biggest icons when it comes to controversy and comedy. But yeah, no biopic, no, no. I mean, I'm sure there's documentaries, but this is interesting because it's a one man show that Ronnie is doing uh, coming here to Toronto. He's on he's on a bit of a tour right now. So he is he does have a Toronto uh, stint, but it should be interesting to, to dive into the live of yeah, one of the most notorious comics and figureheads of this industry. Well, and it is interesting because, I mean, yeah, and again, only really a decade before, you know, the Carlin prior era. But what a difference, because, yeah, when Lenny Bruce was making headlines, this was the era where, you know, stand up at that time was still a very infant in its infancy. And it was sort of an offshoot from the vaudeville era and all that. So it was like you would you go on Ed Sullivan and you work squeaky clean and stuff like that. Yeah, Every, that everything was had Safe. Everything was very safe and it had more of a sort of variety show feel to everything. And you weren't allowed to sort of push a lot of boundaries. And there were a lot of things in polite society, quote unquote, that you weren't allowed to address in your material and that you couldn't make jokes about. And Lenny Bruce was sort of the first comic that came along and went, screw that. That should be the point of stand-up. People should sit in a theater at the end of the night and talk about stuff that you're not allowed to. But anyways, we have a lot to get into with Ronnie Marmo and the life and times of the one and only Lenny Bruce. We'll come back with more inside jokes right here on 640 Toronto. jokes right here on 640 Toronto and we are sitting down with actor writer Ronnie Marmo who is bringing the life and legacy of controversial comedy icon Lanny Bruce live to the stage in a one-man show directed by none other than Joe Montagna so we got Ronnie on the air with us right now how are you doing today man good how are you gentlemen this is I mean I'm excited about this show and about this project because you know Vince and I were talking at the start of the show for somebody who is such a trailblazer in comedy and for somebody who's one of the great figureheads of, you know, modern stand-up and as we know it now, one of the sort of, I always call them the big three, but the founding fathers really of modern stand-up, we always go to Lenny Bruce and then a little later on Carlin and Pryor. But for somebody who broke as much territory in stand-up and fought a lot of the battles to sort of open up the expression of free speech and, and sort of make stand-up what it is now... We've really never covered his life very much. Nobody has really dived into what, who who the man was behind the scenes and in the green room and off stage. We don't really know a ton about this sort of mythical figure in comedy. So for you, Ronnie, how was this a passion project for you for a while? Did you want to take on this sort of larger than life person for a long time now? How did you and Joe Montagna end up teaming up on something like this? Well, these are all great points, and I, and clearly you know your your comedy because many people don't know Pryor and Carlin were right below Lenny, and so I love that. I, I feel great about this. But, um, you know, listen, uh, out of the three of them, I always thought that maybe Lenny was the least funniest. You had Pryor, then Carlin, and Lenny in terms of comedy, uh, but he changed the game for everybody. I mean, he literally got on stage and, you know, didn't have a set routine. Um, me personally, how this happened was... I'd say probably about 15 years ago, um, I was, uh, there's a friend of mine called Charlie Brill. I don't know if you ever heard of Brill and McCall. They're okay. You know, Carlin and uh, Burns, all the Bobcat, all these guys, these comics I know in LA, they let me have lunch with them every week and hang out with them for years. They call me the kid. And so I was, uh, it was amazing. So Charlie Brill one day said to me, you remind me of Lenny Bruce. And I said, really? He said, yeah, you know who he was? I said, well, I'm a bit young. I grew up on Carlin, but I know who he was. 
He said, yeah, I have this script. I want you to read it. Somebody wrote it for me. I don't want to learn all those lines. You do it. So he hands me the script. I read it. I got nervous because I thought, well, Lenny's friends are in their 70s and they're still alive in Los Angeles. There's no way I'm doing this, you know. Um, I'm not an impressionist, you know. So uh, <laughs> two years it took for him to talk me into it. He did. I fell in love with Lenny. I did the show, ran six months. We did great. Uh, all the old school people came out to see it. Uh, we put it away for five years, ran another six months, did great again. But then one day I woke up and realized there's a lot I'm leaving out of this story that's not in that script. And so, so ultimately I wrote my own and it's much edgier and controversial and a much different script. As I think that's a proper tip of the hat to him. Okay, we're going to get into much more about what this whole show is all about. It's coming up live here in Toronto. We'll be back with more Ronnie Marmo right here on Inside Jokes. Everybody, this is Ronnie Marmo, uh, the writer and performer of I'm Not a Comedian, I'm Lenny Bruce. I'm excited to get to Toronto, and you are listening to Inside Jokes. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, right here on 640 Toronto, and as always, streaming everywhere where there's the internet on Global News Online. We are talking to actor, writer Ronnie Marmo, who is, of course becoming Lenny Bruce. He is bringing a whole new one-man show here live in Toronto that tackles the life and times of one of comedy's, again, more controversial and certainly influential figureheads in modern stand-up as we know it, the late, great Lenny Bruce. Um, but yeah, Ronnie, before the break, we were talking about how, you know, how this sort of became a passion project for you. And we're talking about, especially audiences now and listeners now, I mean, Lenny Bruce is still a name that carries a lot of weight in comedy and it's sort of, he's sort of this sacred figure. But especially for current comedy audiences, not a lot of people know a lot about Lenny's life and who he was off stage. Um, we were talking during the break. I mean, there was a film Dustin Hoffman did make a biopic about him back in 74. Robert B. Wilde, who's one of the directors of Curb Your Enthusiasm, he did a doc about Lenny in the late 80s. Audiences now don't really know a lot about this character, though. And his stand-up was sort of, again, as you said earlier on, Ronnie, I mean, he's sort of what we call the big three in comedy. There was Carlin and Pryor and Lenny Bruce. Now, Carlin and Pryor were sort of, they took what he did and ran with it, and their stand-up is arguably funnier. It had a bit more electricity to it. What Lenny did always felt almost like he was up there playing jazz, because this was the era of you were sort of going from this transition from the old vaudeville days to now you're, you know, doing jokes on network television, and everything was very scripted, and everything was very squeaky clean. Lenny just was very freeform and nobody had seen that before. It wasn't just about taking on, you know, controversial or taboo subjects. It was also just about you were watching somebody in the moment just riff with an audience and being loose with it in a way that audiences had never seen before. That's true. I mean, you're saying it perfectly. You know, first of all, the movie in the 70s, um, I was a little boy, but in my teenage life, the movie Lenny uh, by Hoffman, uh, Dustin Hoffman, Bob Fosse made the film. 
And, you know, when I was growing up as a teenager, I don't know what the connection was, but I, but I watched the film many times and liked it a lot. And then when I fell in love with Lenny, I realized I wish you would have learned more about Lenny in the film. I think the film became more about, uh, at the time it was cool, you know, but I think mm -hmm. back at it, it was like more about like Bob Fosse's filmmaking ways. You learn more about like his art than maybe Lenny Bruce himself as a man. And so I, and, and, and there's been other projects like that too, that like dabble with Lenny, but often you get the angry, bitter guy at the end of his life. And I wanted to show an audience like who this guy is is or was and so i really um you really learn about the man and and his and his mind in my show much differently and he was funny he was charming he was in you know he had a lot of heart he was all those things and then eventually you know he met his demise in 1966 at 40 years old but he was a brilliant thinker and often even though he was like a beatnik and a poet and all those things he was often the smartest guy in the room and that's why the authorities really hated the guy. The words were one thing, but they were threatened by him and his mind, you know, and how we saw the world. So it's interesting. Well, and it is kind of, it's funny that you bring up the whole beatnik element as well, because he was in that era of, along with a lot of the beat writers, I mean, Ginsburg and Kerouac and Burroughs, a lot of these people, just like Lenny Bruce, they actually went to court. They went up on obscenity charges because you can, here's things you aren't allowed to write about. Here's things you aren't allowed to talk about. And Lenny was doing, material in a time it was a volatile time in american history you weren't allowed to talk about race you weren't allowed to talk about sex you weren't allowed to talk about all these political issues and all these elephants in the room and lenny just said yeah i am that's what comedy should be you're well, supposed to shine a light on this dark stuff and nobody else was doing that it was really risky territory that's right that's right you know about a month ago i was in seattle and i went to a record shop this cool little record shop and i'm always i'm always looking for lenny stuff so i'm like you got any Lenny Bruce records? So I'm going through the comedy section. They didn't have any. And I'm like, you don't have any Lenny Bruce? And they go, no, no, it's in the poetry section. And so I said, yeah. to, I said to the kid, who made that decision? And the kid who's working there, and he goes, I don't know. Is he not a poet? I go, so then I'm like, well, if I have your ear, forget it. You're screwed. You know, we'll sit together for an hour and talk about Lenny. So he was in the poetry section, which I thought was really interesting. Because um, Lenny was so much more than a comic. Uh, he was obviously a comic. And he had a very funny mind. Um, but yeah, no, you're saying everything right on. I mean, look, this guy would get on stage and tackle all the taboo subjects. He would talk about Jackie O. Uh, I'll never forget the night Kennedy was, I wasn't there, but I read the night Kennedy got assassinated. I was assassinated. Jack, uh, he went to, he was playing a gig that night. And apparently people came from everywhere to come in and listen to what Lenny was going to say about the assassination of people standing room only. And it was packed. And Lenny comes on stage and he stands there for like five minutes and then says, poor Vern Meter. And if you don't know Vern Meter was, he was the impressionist at the time that made a living doing JFK impersonations. Right. He goes, poor <laughs> Vern Meter. And he walks off stage and that was it. And I was like, <laughs> so that Lenny was just, People cared what he thought, and sometimes he was really deep and examined and held a mirror up to society, and sometimes he was just funny, and sometimes a combination, you know? You know what, and it is funny. I mean, yes, obviously we talk about how he, much he did influence what stand-up is now, but in a lot of ways, do you think even now we're still, comics are still sometimes fighting those same battles? I mean, if you look here in Canada, we very famously, just a couple of years ago, one of our big headliners here in Canada had an entire trial free speech trial he was facing a lawsuit and he was going to get fined $35,000 and he finally won and it opened up this whole conversation about well what can you and can't you say 
in comedy and how does free speech work in tandem with comedy? You look at a few years ago, Gilbert Gottfried, the late great Gilbert Gottfried, very famously lost that Affleck sponsorship because he was making jokes about the uh, nuclear disaster in Japan at the time. So, I mean, do you think a lot has changed? Like, yes, I mean, obviously Lenny Bruce is one of those people that broke a lot of ground for comedians and changed the game and opened things up for people. But do you think that's still a battle that's going on for comics to this day? Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, you know, free speech for me, but not for thee. You know what I mean? Like people, it's the whole thing's hypocrisy. And and I, and I say that on the far right, the far left, everybody's out of their mind. It's unbelievable. It's like the hypocrisy is over the top in terms of, you know, I can say that, but you can't. We're at a place now where it seems like people, if you don't agree with their their ideology, their thoughts, then you're incorrect. You're wrong. Yeah. As a, listen, if every friend of mine completely agrees with me, I'm going to have a pretty boring life. You don't have to agree with me to be my friend. You know, uh, it'd be nice if you're a little graceful about it, but uh, you don't have to completely agree with me because that would who who wants that in real friendships? And so. I would say to you, yes, it's still happening. Uh, I mean, look at Chappelle. You know, he had that whole thing with Netflix and the, the you know, cancel culture. Uh, Chappelle had the guy from Netflix back him up and said, no, we're going to air the thing. That's his, yeah. the comedy. You're going to need more people like that to kind of regulate the ship a little bit to kind of, you're going to need more, you know, guys in power to be go, listen, he's got the free speech. And so, you know, in some ways we change a lot. In other ways, nothing has changed. And it's a little embarrassing, quite honestly. It, it, it is true. And I mean, it points to, you know, this division that's certainly in American society right now. It's this whole, like you said, this us versus them thing. There's this stark divide. And comedy is always supposed to be this thing that does stimulate conversation and unites us all because at the end of the day, it's about, it's okay to laugh at these sort of bigger, scarier, darker things in life and find the funny in it. That's what great comedy does. And it's tough to do right now because we are living in a time where it's very much this sort of torch mob mentality of like, you're not with us, you're against us, that's the enemy. That's the... We don't have discussion anymore. We've lost the ability to have discussion. And that's what great comedy is at the end of the day. Oh, there's no doubt. Lenny had a, you know, when Lenny was defending himself at the end when he fired all his lawyers, he, um, it was wild because his, one of his big points was, you know, you could go to a strip club and pay to see a stripper in a private club. And that's not illegal, but you can't come see my act. People are paying to see my act. How is that illegal? They're paying. They've chosen to be there. And so it was kind of ridiculous. I mean, you know, 20 years ago, Governor Pataki in New York, um, he pardoned Lenny Bruce. He was the first uh, post-posthumous pardon in the history of New York. And he apologized and said, we're sorry. You know what I mean? Like, this is ridiculous. And so... Talk about timing with this play. I wrote this thing and I look really smart, I realize, but I, I, I wasn't really trying to be terribly smart like this. It just kind of happened. And and uh, it's like such a perfect storm right now with the, the ex-president we had in this country. I don't know if you noticed that guy we had down here. He uh, came up once or twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we had that guy. And, uh, and so that was crazy. And then the whole thing, I mean, this whole free speech thing was just wild. It's just wild. It's still going, so. It really, which I think is why this is such an interesting and in a lot of ways perfect time for this show as well, because it's sort of exactly relevant to a lot of the things we're dealing with right now. So it sort of goes full circle. All right, we're going to come back with more Ronnie Parmo and talk about what it means to become Lenny Bruce and this live show coming up here in Toronto. We'll be back with more Inside Jokes.
everybody. This is Ronnie Marmo, uh, the writer and performer of I'm Not a Comedian, I'm Lenny Bruce. I'm excited to get to Toronto, and you are listening to Inside Jokes. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on 640 Toronto. And of course, this week's episode is brought to you by literally no one at all. We are newly single and looking to mingle here on Inside Jokes as we head towards season eight. We are, listen, there's no sponsor too small, okay? This is pseudo-conservative AM talk radio. Come get it. Anyways, we are talking to writer, actor, performer, Ronnie Marmo, who of course is, I would say, the very heady task of bringing the life and times of comedy icon Lenny Bruce live to the stage here in Toronto. There's a one-man show that tackles everything behind the scenes about one of comedy's most controversial figureheads. It is funny too, actually, Ronnie, because again, I mean... It must be sort of daunting in a way. This is such a sacred figure in in comedy and still is to this day to take on this role and to take on this person. I mean, the, there must be, be some level of responsibility or anxiety to that because it is such a sacred figure in comedy. And I know you certainly do have a lot of friends in the comedy world. What has been the response to this so far from people in comedy? Because I know, first off, the Lenny Bruce Foundation is 100% in support of this and behind this. Lenny Bruce's own family, of course, very notably his daughter is... They, they all are backing this and everybody is all about this show happening. Have you heard much of a response from the comedy world? Because this is sort of a comedy Jesus. And so, well, well, that's that's put it. Listen, I know I look confident right now, but flashback 15 years ago, I was a wreck. I was nervous. <laughs> I was like, like literally Charlie Brill took two years to talk me into doing the other play. Um, and because I knew people would show up. Well, how did I know I was onto something? You know, uh, I listened to everything I could listen to. I read everything I could read. And then I threw it all away. I watched what I could watch. I threw it all yeah. away and just kind of became, I don't know how to do impressions. It's not my shtick, you know? So, so how did I know? I look out in the front row and Jack Burns is crying. And, and after the show, he's kissing my face, going, my friend Lenny, my friend Lenny. Uh, you know, Frankie Ray Pirelli, who was Lenny's best friend in the world, came every single night. I saved him his seat every night. He sat in the audience every night. Joanne Worley, Pat Harrington, all these people would show up for the first production and I was blown away. And then eventually when I wrote my own, I've been running six years now with this play that I wrote and Joe Montaigne directed. And, you know, it's wild. Like Kitty Bruce said to me, it took her a year to watch the show. Yeah. Get ready because my show's much more. It's very funny. It, my show is a tragedy. It's not a comedy, but it's very funny. A friend said to me recently, you have the funniest tragedy I've ever seen because it's like, it's really funny and really heartbreaking. But it took Kitty a year to see it. And then she gave me the greatest vote of confidence. She said, it's the best portrayal of my father I've ever seen. And so then you go, okay, I'm doing something right. And then all of a sudden you're, you know, I'm doing the show and in New York, stage manager goes, Tony Bennett's in the front row. Billy Crystal's oh, here. Barry Levinson's here, Patty Lapone's here, Paul Reiser's here, Richard Lewis is here. And I could give you a list of people. Gene Smart's here. And 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 so you start to go, oh, oh, Mamet saw it a couple of months ago, David Mamet. So you yeah. go, oh, I see. So the, the, it became that show everybody wanted to see. And I'm so humbled. You know, Tony Bennett comes. And next, you know, the next day I'm in the New York Post in that uh, Cindy Adams, what's it called? Like, I forget, page six. And it was very famous New York Post. And it said, crooner Tony Bennett sees Ronnie Marmo last night. And, and I'm not a comedian. I'm Lenny Bruce. I almost died as an Italian-American, you know, kid from the neighborhood. Like, Having me, those figures. In for, yeah, no kidding. What the hell's going on here? So the bottom line is, is I, I wrote something that really touched a nerve with a lot of people. And I'm, and I'm proud to say that 
that's when I, I mean, look, the reviews are beautiful. You would think my grandmother wrote them. I mean, got a hundred love letters. Uh, really, uh, he's so talented. He's so funny, you know, all this stuff. But it wasn't until those people and Kitty Bruce obviously showed up and said, you're doing it right. And I was like, wow. Well, and for a lot of those sort of, you know, titans of the industry that you mentioned being in the crowd, a lot of those people, they were there. They have those memories of watching Lenny and working with Lenny and knowing Lenny personally. So, I mean, filling those shoes in front of these people who actually they knew the person and not just the legend that that makes a totally different you know gives it some more weight in a lot of ways is there anybody in comedy who you think and again going back to yes that trifecta of bruce and then later on carlin and Pryor. i think there's a lot of names that we've thrown around over the years but is there anybody in comedy right now that you think is that we'll look back and go that was sort of a spiritual successor to lenny bruce i mean obviously there's different fights to fight now but there is do you think there's somebody in the last couple generations of comedy who will go we'll sort of regard as a follow-up to them and, and give them sort of the same weight. Do you think we have those figures anymore in stand-up? I, I do, I do. We, you know, obviously Chappelle is low-hanging fruit. That's easy to talk about Chappelle or Chris Rock, Sarah Silverman. Um, you know, even guys like Louis C.K. before everything happened with Louis, I would have said he feels like a very modern Lenny Bruce in a lot right. of ways. You know, his brand of comedy. Anyone who's willing to examine life and you know there are no sacred cows you know it's like there's so many people who i think were influenced by lenny but sadly i'll tell you i've met 50 year old comics who headline and make a living at this that don't know his name yeah absurd yeah baffled by i'm like are you nuts you know i get mad literally but i've got i've got tons of uh you know tons of friends doing it and and one day i'm watching cnn and uh Chris, uh, 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 John Stewart and uh, Dave Chappelle are talking about my play on the air in an interview. And I was like, that's amazing. Like, it really became this thing that people are chatting about. So I think there's lots of comics who are uh, who are direct descendants of Lenny and Carlin, you know, those guys. So yeah, I'd say uh, Lenny is alive and well, you know. Even, I mean, and I also another, you know, late great comic, but uh, Bill Hicks was very infamously Brandon with that his entire time on stage. He was always seen as this follow up to those guys. So, I mean, I think it does, again, carry itself through the through the generations. I mean, Burr is probably another one right now that people I love Bill Burr. I love that guy. I got to get Bill Burr to see this show. I love him, you know. Hey, Ronnie, um, as we mentioned, there is like generations now that may not know the name Lenny Bruce. So when you're up there, what is the kind of the key thing of, getting that spirit that nailing that impression of lenny bruce well how do you become the comedian or even better so how do you transform into the person the personality that was lenny bruce is there something that you need to do to transform yourself on stage you know it's so it's so wild i mean not to get too actory on you but you know it's like when you're doing a role like this you definitely better find your way in honestly or else you'll be a fagazi as they say you'll be a fake yeah, yeah. <laughs> pull you off the stage pretty quick. And so I had to find my way into this guy as much as I could. And so his love for his mom, I have the same thing. My mother passed away, you know, 25 years ago, his love for his daughter. Uh, I, I relate to that. Um, fighting for things you want. So you have to kind of personalize the whole thing. As far as Lenny, like, you know, he talks like this baby, you know, he's a real hipster man. And like, I don't speak like that, obviously, but it was wild and I didn't want to do an imitation of some hipster from the sixties, some beatnik. So I had to just kind of consume myself with everything I can and let it go. And on show nights, I have a couple lines that drop me right into him. I do a couple lines before I walk on stage 
I listen to some jazz for about a half hour. So it's less about getting ready for the character. It's more about dropping me in the, in this, into the time. Yeah. Because, um, and, and here's the deal, right? It's a massive 90 minute monologue. So it's the easiest job and the hardest job I've ever done. And what I mean is it's the hardest for obvious reasons. It's a monster, but it's the easiest in that, like, when I'm just willing to give myself over to it and not get excited about my performance and think I'm good up there, then then that's when it goes really well. I'm just like kind of not to get too hokey, but it's like I'm a vessel for this guy. And I and I feel like in a lot of ways I'm fighting for something he didn't get to finish. And uh, these epic courtroom scenes in the show, you'll see that people it's wild what happens. And, uh, you know, as an actor to have something I care about so much and then the public cares about so much. So, so to wrap up your question is, if you're sitting in the audience, my hope is that I humanize him and, and put you right in that situation with me right there, right now. And I always say, audiences don't go to the theater to see you. They go to see themselves in you. Yes, yeah. So I make sure that I make myself as open and vulnerable as I can, even with the funny stuff. So you, so you identify, and I don't care how old you are, what your background is, I think you identify with this guy. There we go. All right, we're going to come back with more Ronnie Marmo on Becoming Lenny Bruce. We'll be back with more inside jokes right here on 640 Toronto. Everybody, this is Ronnie Marmo, uh, the writer and performer of I'm Not a Comedian, I'm Lenny Bruce. I'm excited to get to Toronto, and you are listening to Inside Jokes. Inside Jokes right here on 640 Toronto. And of course, tonight we are talking to Ronnie Marmo, the writer, actor, performer who is bringing the life and times of comedy's, one of comedy's greatest icons, the controversial and infamous Lenny Bruce is coming live on stage here in Toronto. It is a one-man show just delving into the life and times of one of comedy's biggest icons, which by the way, Ronnie, I mean, as an actor and some of our listeners at home will recognize you as well from, you know, network television, you're you're also a well-known TV actor. For you as a performer, 
it must be kind of liberating in a way too to actually step away from the camera and step away from you know scripted television or shooting a film and all that stuff and just be live on stage in this solo show night after night and inhabiting this person because there is like yes obviously this is something that's been written and honed and performed to perfection over time but it's live it's live theater and it's a one-man show there is always that element of this organicness and this rawness where something could always change the flavor of tonight's show a little bit. You're reacting and feeding off the audience. It must be refreshing for you as an actor. And also, I think I feel like a much more poignant tip of the hat to Lenny Bruce than, you know, if you were to just step on camera and have a script and film a biopic. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, listen, theater is my first love. Uh, generally speaking, you have to have your head examined to think you'll make a living in theater. So you <laughs> have to do the TV and stuff. But that's where I'm happiest is on stage. And this show is like a tightrope with no net. I mean, 90 minute monologue. I got an audience staring at me. Um, I, I've had some wild situations. And the way I start my show, not to give a big spoiler alert, and it is classy and we, we light it tastefully, but I start to play dead naked on the toilet. And it, does, and it doesn't let up. And I tell them. <laughs> and so I tell you that it's very classy for those who are afraid to see a little nudity. Don't worry. It's it's silhouette and it's it's cool but 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 i do that kind of on purpose one to tell the story the other it's like i'm saying to the audience not to get too great you know i'm like listen this is all i have come with me on this ride yeah put the phone away be here with me for 90 minutes this is all i have you understand like i'm showing i'm at my most vulnerable state and then i get up and i start getting dressed and and here comes the show and so it's pretty wild uh to, to have that experience every night and every audience is different. Sometimes they're, they're rolling the aisles. Sometimes they're staring at me. Like I got eight heads <laughs> and, and I have to imagine it's pretty typical Lenny Bruce, you know, uh, I deal with the audience that's in front of me for sure. Ronnie, and then how that... it, sorry. I was going to ask, how is it working with a director like Joe Montaigne? Uh, Joe Montaigne. I mean, you know, the guy's a legend. I mean, he's one of the most talented men I know and he's also very dear to me personally but when I brought this play to Joe six years ago I knew that I needed somebody who I respected and admired to to be great I didn't want to be good and so uh I knew if I asked one of my putsy friends you know I would have just like you know I don't want to say I would have half asked it on purpose but it might not have been the same thing but with Joe it's like Joe Montaigne and I are sitting in a dark theater every day for six hours like you better bring your best I don't want you can't take a minute off I don't yeah. want to wait and so what he added to the show, I'll tell you, man, it's like this guy, he, he took it to another level, you know, took me to another level. So I'm very grateful for his participation, to say the least. And I think, you know, the audience night after night, regardless of what level of fans of Lenny Bruce's they are, but it is funny because both of you coming at this project with that passion, you want to do due diligence to this person. You're both a fan of this person's work. So you want to do it properly. Audiences are savvy and comedy audiences are like that too. They can pick up on this stuff. They can sense it when you're being genuine and you're being authentic and you're actually pouring your soul into it and you're giving that vulnerableness, as you said. So for you and Joe Montaigne to have this project that you're both passionate about and like, listen, we have to do this right. We have to pay homage to this person. Audiences can pick up on that and they can feel that in the room. Listen, no doubt. I mean, Joe and I, we, we worked really hard on this. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the reality is, is if it, we always say that if you're an actor and a director who like thinks you're a good actor and a good director, this thing might bomb because like it's got to be all humility, all vulnerability yeah. all the time. We have a great pace. It's not indulgent. 
we we sh we shine up a few moments, but really in the wrong hands, this could be a disaster. This show because every <laughs> they're like, ah, yes, I get to you know feel and think, and it's too much. So uh, I'm really proud of our taste. I'm proud of our uh, what we do with it. Excited to make our international uh, premiere debut in Toronto. That's really exciting to me, and so we're we're pretty pumped up to say the least, you know. And Ronnie, uh, not to mirror the two, but I, I mean, I kind of will. Another popular Italian-American actor, Chaz Palminteri, had a one-man show, um, Bronx Tale, which eventually got made into a film. Uh, any chance of that happening with this sort of one-man show, kind of looking at more of a film aspect of Lenny? Well, first of all, Chaz is a total sweetheart and a friend of mine and has been a mentor to me. I've called him a few nights on the road saying, what do I do about this, man? I'm running into So he's, the guy's a gem. That aside, yeah, I've got some plans. I can't talk about it now because the plans are starting to be real. But uh, I got a thing I'm doing, and I hope I hope I do it, and I hope you sit home and watch it. That's all I can say. So. There we go. There we awesome. go. All right. Speaking of, uh, Ronnie, so, of course, for our audience, we can catch you live in this show. It'll be June 21st through the 25th in uh, Meridian Art Center right here in downtown Toronto. Uh, for our listeners at home, where can we get tickets, follow you online, catch you on social media, hit your website, all that good stuff? Uh, well, uh, LennyBruceOnStage.com is where all the info is. You can see some cool clips. You can read the reviews, uh, see if you're interested in the show. Um, personally, Ron, Ronnie Marmo, I guess on all the uh, on the socials, I'm not great at that, but but I think it's important. Uh, and please follow I am Lenny Bruce on on the socials as well. That's that's the name of the uh, our social media accounts. And uh, yeah, I mean, I really hope to see Toronto people out there. I know Toronto has a savvy theater scene. And I think uh, great comics come out of Toronto as well. And so I, I think it's an important show and, I, and, I, and no one's been disappointed yet. So I hope you guys make it out, you know. There we go. And that's a beautiful, beautiful venue for it too. So do not miss this show. Do not miss Ronnie Marmo as he does indeed become Lenny Bruce. Catch him live on stage at the Meridian, June 21st through the 25th. That is our show. That is our panel. Don't forget, you can listen to every episode every Saturday night right here on 640. And you can stream all of them right back to the beginning of time. On Global News Online, that is our show. We'll be back next week. This week's Comedy Rx is Lenny Bruce. There were kids, eight and nine years old, that were sniffing airplane glue to get high on. <laughs> These kids are responsible for turning musicians on a lot of things they never knew about, actually. So I had a fantasy how it happened. Kid is alone in his room. It's Saturday. Kid is played by George McCready. Well, let's see now. I'm all alone in the room, and it's Saturday. I'll make an airplane. That's what I'll do. I'll make a Lancaster. Good structural design. I'll get the balls wood here. Cut it out. Sand it off. Now I'll get a little airplane glue. I'll rub it on the rag, and, uh... Here now. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm getting loaded. Is this possible loaded on airplane glue? Maybe it's stuffy, you know. I'll call my dog over. Philica? Philica, come here, darling, and smell this rag. Smell it, you freaky little doggy. <laughs> Smell the rag, Flicka. Flicka. Flicka! He's up there. I've done it. I'm the Louis Pasteur of junkydom. <laughs> Out of my skull for ten cents. Well, there's much work to be done now. Horses' hooves to melt down. Noses to get ready. Cut to the toy store. Any toy store. Any neighborhood. Kid walks in. Hello, Chandler. Nice to what you got here. <laughs> Give me a nickel's worth of pencils, big boy tablet, some juju beans, tailspin tommy book, 
and 2,000 tubes of airplane glue. I hope you can sleep tonight, Mr. Lee Page. 